explore the weaponization of rap lyrics in the criminal justice system in the new documentary, As We Speak, Rap Music on Trial. Now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply. You deserve the truth. The enemy is at our gates. The fight for humanity. I look at your faces. I do not see defeat. No! And I do not see surrender. It's far from over. You will not make that stand alone. We have something the enemy does not. We have heroes. Halo. New season now streaming. Exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Welcome in Inside Carolina Live. On the Thursday night, nine o'clock YouTube show. Shout out to the 40 plus people already in here and shout out to Johnny T-Shirt, johnnytshirt.com for sponsoring this show as well as all the rest of Inside Carolina's podcast lineup. All right, boys, Thursday night, North Carolina Duke women's basketball is on on ESPN or ACC Network, I got. John will keep us updated on the score as we go through. But, Ross, come to you right away. North Carolina uh, win against Boston College going to – or actually State coming to the Smith Center, um, which I think is a good thing for the – but State Carolina week, man. What you think? Where's Carolina basketball right now? Yeah, big game this weekend. Um, I think it's a big one, man. I think it's all better than people expected. Um, you know, they're in the top part of the ACC, just like UNC is, and this will be a, a big game um, to see where the teams stack up. You know, I think UNC's had two easy opponents the last two games, Louisville and Boston College, and they, they kind of took care of business there, <clears throat> dominating Louisville. And then, you know, I think, I think Boston College stayed around a little longer than they would have liked, but putting them away eventually in the final – Minutes and it's a big one. It's gonna be crowd. I think it's gonna be the best crowd they've had all season. I think uh, that that'd be fair to say. It's gonna be hyped up. Um, it's a great time for for families and stuff. So I think you'll have um, a packed Dean Dome for the first time this season. And I'm excited to cover it. Should be a good one. Adam, what do you think? Big game, right? Just no, definitely a big game. I think it's a huge game. Noticing the comment from uh, John Grisham over there about your haircut, Ross. He's very observant. There you go. Um, yeah, he's all over it. Um, yeah, I think it should be. I, I think it should be a, a look at that. I still don't know how to do that. From um, famous author, it's probably John best. Grisham. It's probably best you don't know how to do it. John yeah, Grisham, that's a real John Grisham too, right? Yeah, absolutely. Author. I think we need to get autographed books all around. We could sell those, John Grisham. Go ahead, Adam. I don't know why, uh, but it has been rattling around in my head for a couple of days when I was thinking about Carolina playing NC State. When I randomly noticed the Wolfpack. Uh, Terquavian Smith and Jarkeel Jer- Joyner, uh, his backcourt mate, sorry, um, who are saying, I believe they beat Coppin State this year. I don't know if producer John can look that up, but I caught them on TV saying, we're the best backcourt in the ACC, bar none. And, um, you know, someone actually said, so some reporter there after that game, it might have been in Reynolds, it might have been the Heritage game in Reynolds they play every year said, well, you know, there's Caleb Love and R.J. Davis over at UNC. And they were just like, yeah, we're going to prove that we're better than them. Um, 
I don't know why that popped in my head, but I was thinking like, you know, there could be points of plenty there at the Smith Center uh, on Saturday, the way the Wolfpack scores. And of course, UNC is the top scoring team in the ACC. Sherelle McMillan on the post game after Boston College said defense optional on Saturday, <laughs> late Saturday afternoon, early evening in the Smith Center. And I agree with that. Uh, I mean, look, NC State, what they lose, 22 games last year, something like mm-hmm. that? They, they, they're, they're a pretty good team. And they can they've score. won more ACC games already than they did last season. I think they only had four ACC wins, and they're five yep. and three like UNC, right? I think both teams are five and three. They're five and three, 15 and four. They're on a four-game winning streak, too. They've won um, seven of their last eight. They're seven and one yep. across their last eight. Yeah, I think they're a pretty good basketball team. Go ahead, Rose. They beat Duke, uh, Virginia Tech away, beat Miami in overtime, and Georgia Tech the last four wins. They're only – their two losses are see, sorry, they lost to Pitt, just like UNC. Um, they lost to Miami and they lost to Clemson. Um, so yeah, they're on, you know, like Adam said, they've won seven of the last eight, that one game being Clemson. So they haven't done much losing since since early uh, December. So they're one of the hotter teams in the ACC. I think I heard that on the radio today too. Do you yeah. see Coppin State on there, Ross, when you're looking at their schedule? Yeah, they yeah, played yeah. Coppin State on December 6th and won 94-72. Was that the Reynolds Heritage game they play every year at Reynolds Coliseum? I don't know why this is. I guess it doesn't matter. But it was at it was at Reynolds. Yeah. Yes, it okay. Was. I think that's the game where they got on the mic. I don't know if it was a, a JB Rick Spectrum News situation, <laughs> but they, they were uh, they were talking. They were feeling good, and they're they're good players. I mean, Turquavian leads the ACC in scoring, obviously. So um, I don't know. I don't know if anyone has anything for Armando down low when he's playing the way he's been playing. So I don't know if NC State does. Uh, it's kind of why I thought – I mean, I thought winning in Charlottesville would be a tall task, but for some reason I thought Carolina was going to do it. I, I didn't think Virginia had an answer for Armando, even though they have the bigs there. So, anyway, I don't know if the Wolfpack does. We'll see. I want to bring up John Kramer's comment here. He says, break out of the slump game for Caleb. He has 21-5-5. To me, Tommy, that's kind of the story of where UNC's season is right now. I pulled some numbers to illustrate this. On long three-pointers in January, so three-pointers from 25 to 30 feet outside uh, the rim, Caleb Love in January is 4 of 22. That's 18.2%. That's very bad. (laughs) Meanwhile, his backcourt teammate, R.J. Davis, he is 8 of 11 on those same long three-pointers, he is 72.7%. That is insane to me, honestly. There's been such a divergence between how Caleb Love is shooting the basketball specifically and and how R.J. Davis is shooting the ball. We talked a little bit about R.J.'s strong shooting last week on the show, but I think any mention of Caleb Love's poor shooting has to be followed up immediately with how well R.J. is shooting the ball. Um, And one final stat, it's interesting because in December, the numbers were flipped. Caleb was shooting 47.8 on those same type of three-pointers, and RJ was shooting 21%. So it'll it'll be interesting to see if that kind of evens out as the season goes along, if Caleb can catch fire like John Kramer suggested. But that, to me, is kind of the biggest storyline of the season where we're at right now. Yeah, I mean, he's got to play, Tomat Caleb, he's got to – play better he, at times he does other things he had five assists in the first half the other night but then he didn't have any in the second half he gets in those modes where I'm gonna get mine one way or another 
Um, you know, somebody made the comment, and I was about to bring up Sherelle. Sherelle and I talked about this. Is is RJ is playing with so much confidence, and it shows he's healthy. Hubert mentioned that earlier this week on the ACC teleconference. Um, he's finally healthy from the hand injury, and if you're a shooter and your hands hurt, I mean, you know that's going to affect you. But Love just – Love doesn't look like he's having much fun except when the ball goes in the basket, and, and I think that's a – that's an issue. I, I, you know, one thing about it is he's got the greenest light in the history of North Carolina basketball, I think. Um, and Hubert Davis loves him. And rightfully so, simply because if he does not play well, Carolina's not going to do what they did last year. They might not get a chance to do what they did last year. Um, but, John, to your point, RJ has really stepped up. And, Ross, I want to get you in here because RJ's – I think we kind of overlooked RJ, because we spend so much time talking about Caleb Love. I mean, is that fair to say, or or am I just mis misremembering the coverage? I would say that RJ gets a little bit forgotten just because he's he's played his whole career with Armando and and Caleb and even Leaky. You know, gets a lot of conversation. Um, but RJ Davis, I think, is the second most important player on this team. Like we've noted, he's he's been shooting great from three. Great from long twos. I mean, he's been scoring at the rim. I thought he really scored the rim well last year, taking it to the basket, especially in the second half of the season, especially against Duke. Um, but he is uh, – yeah, I mean, he, he's, he's been fantastic. And, you know, when, when he shoots the three, you almost, you almost think it's going in. He had that, that fake, that, that uh, pump fake. The defender went flying. He knocked it down. So he's hitting transition threes. You're seeing a lot more of that this year, which are hard shots to make when all your momentum is going one way knocking down transition threes, but I think he's, he's been fantastic. I think he's been um, clutch and I think he's second most important player of this team. I think Caleb could go out and I, I think they wouldn't miss Caleb as much as they, was, as they would miss RJ, in my opinion. Adam, what do you think? It's the way they're playing right now. I mean, I couldn't agree with you more. Um, you know, and, and to what – that's an interesting comment uh, that, that we put up earlier about what Sherrill said. I agree in watching Caleb – when he shoots a three, and even when he's on the line, you remember how automatic of a free throw shooter he was at the end of last season. I I got the notes here, but I haven't looked it up. I mean, he has missed a couple free throws. He might have gone over two um, in one trip against uh, BC the other night, and he I mean he was automatic at the end of the season last year. He wanted to get fouled. If you felt like they got the ball in at the end of the Duke game in the Final Four, you know he hit he hit a ton of free throws. Um, but you do. You know, when you watch this team as much as we have, you do feel like he's guiding it, you know, trying to guide it in a little bit. He's had a couple of those open, you know, step into it threes off an offensive rebound or, or open court situation, and they haven't gone down. So, yeah, Ross, I'd have to agree with you right now because I think RJ's playing lights out too. And um, You know what's crazy? We could, RJ could be a, a five-year player. We could have him for five years. Yeah, I mean, the guy's barely six feet, if that, you know, like, uh, I, you know, I just always thought that it, Hubert always talks about playing with pace. I've always just liked the pace that RJ plays with. I feel like he's great coming off those pick and rolls where he decides whether to slip a pass in there or keep the ball moving. Um, he's playing really well right now. Yeah, if you're listening on the Beat Live um, basketball women's update, Collins up 29 28. Um, in a brutal shooting basketball game, but it's pretty intense out there in Carmichael, and it's packed. Um, you mentioned Reynolds earlier, Adam. They they should play a men's game in Carmichael every year. Yeah, that'd um, be awesome. 
I mean, and last time they did it was Wofford, and I think that's when everybody was out, and they lost to Wofford, but yeah. nothing beats Carmichael. Um, that Wofford game, who start? They had some walk on who played a lot. Jeremiah Francis started because it was the first game Cole Anthony was out, I think. Yeah, and they then Lyton Baycott out too, or somebody else was that? Yeah. It was just brutal. They played. Uh, Storm Murphy was playing at Wofford. The guy who transferred to Virginia Tech, Storm Murphy, was the Wofford point guard then. Uh, Ross and I covered that. I remember us taking a selfie up top, Ross. I don't know. If you oh my that. lord, that was where yeah. the love affair bloomed. Uh, <laughs> Let's let's talk about and the names popping up in the chat and I think, you know, I say we sometimes forget about RJ, but Demarco Dunn has looked good to me this year. And quite frankly, I I figured he would be in the Dontrez Styles role this year and would be out the door as soon as possible. And he's certainly flipped that script. And, and people comparing him and Trimble and all. I think Dunn's your, your best guy off the bench at the moment, Adam. What do you think? Uh, couldn't agree more. I mean, you saw how glowingly I went in on DeMarco after they played Louisville. I ah, beating a team that hasn't won an ACC game. Let me write 1,200 words about DeMarco <laughs> Dunn. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I think I think the way it's constructed, what would you say, that, that DeMarco and Puff would be your top two options off the bench? And mm-hmm. They come in together, it seems, sometimes. Um, you know, I don't know where Jalen Washington slots in there, but, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, DeMar, you know, he's got some long arms on him too. And I feel like, you know, you've seen lately, he gets a running start sometimes on the offensive boards and he is up there above the rim. Um, that was me again. Uh, he's up there above the rim. Um, but he was vital. I mean, there's no way UNC should have been losing at Louisville. And I'm sure that game would have worked itself out. But he was vital in getting L.A. Ellis slowed down last Saturday because he had scored 11 of Louisville's first 15. And he was cooking R.J. and he was cooking Caleb. And uh, Hubert was pretty hot with both of those guys early on. And then they put DeMarco Dunn on him and he, he slowed him down. Um, he can really move uh, for 6'3 or 6'4. Pretty athletic guy. Yeah, um, I think Yeah, I think he's athletic. I think that's what really stands out to me. I mean, he flies in for rebounds. Um, you know, he seems he has a little bit more explosion, um, explosion than some of the other players on the team. Um, you know, he's kind of forgotten, like, you know, we didn't talk about him at all in the preseason. I think we even, John, when Adam and I recorded those preview videos, we even didn't do one on him, I think, because I was just like, you know, how much is he really going to play? So it kind of shows you how forgotten he is. I'm not sure if I ever talked to the guy. Um, so it's, it's good, it provides more depth at the guard position. Uh, he could be a guy who competes for a starting job next year um and it's good to have someone to come in for at that guard spot um he has a little size like adam said and the athleticism they need i think unc needs more athleticism they haven't recruited athleticism i thought in, in a while like trying to think of the most athletic players in the last couple of years i'd put caleb up there but outside of that i can't really think of anyone i think seth is definitely one now too so definitely a little is that too far yeah. back? He was the steer, the steer and Kobe were pretty athletic. Dontre Styles is athletic, but he is. He, he is mired on the bench. There was a moment in that Louisville game that I starred in the old notepad where uh, they got out on the break and DeMarco threw a very sweet bounce pass up ahead to Dontrez and Dontrez dunked it. And I was kind of like, you know, he's kind of like how DeMarco and Dontrez were linked together last year. You know, DeMarco, Dontrez, Dontrez, DeMarco. You had said one, you always said them together. Um, but I was like, dang, you know, when you bring guys like that in off the bench, I would like to see UNC run more. You know, they're fresh. You know, you got fouls to give. Go take some risks, you know, for steals and things like that. 
Um, have we gotten to the point now where is they're, they're using the depth more? They're using the bench more. Are we is is Hubert leaning more on that bench than it was at the beginning of the maybe the first fifteen games? Well, he they have had to obviously with the Pete Nance injury and Armando yeah. obviously getting hurt at UVA. And I had a note um, leading into leading into the BC game. I figured up a thing. It was kind of cool. Where let me see, Puff, Demarco. Jalen Washington and Seth Trimble all had scored either season or career highs in the previous the four games that preceded Louisville. I mean BC. So you kind of had a guy hitting like his best mark ever in the four games leading up to the BC game. And then the BC game, <laughs> Pete Nance came back and nobody did anything off the bench. Um, so you know it was trending that way. I think Ross they had averaged twenty two point seven points off the bench leading into BC. Somebody one mentioned more. in the chat. One thing in the chat, and we've talked about it. If if you listen to the post games and you've listened to this show and other shows recently, Hubert Davis is pure NBA hot hand slash matchup substitutions. It's not, yeah. um, as Greg Barnes said before, it's not like at the sixteen thirty eight minute mark, Puff Johnson is coming in for somebody. You know, it doesn't work that way under Hubert. And um, what's interesting, and Greg and I recorded next level with Evan Mayakawa earlier today and it'll be out tomorrow folks need to check out his website and we talked about it a little bit look at the lineups and which is the most effective lineup for North Carolina granted substitutions in lineups is very small sample size with Hubert Davis but um, DeMarco Dunn Seth Trimble's name they they show up a lot in place of um, somebody go ahead John yeah, I was going to make one more point about Dunn before we shifted off of him. I think it's important to mention he's very efficient. And, and said another way, he doesn't need the ball in his hands. So when you look at someone like Jalen Washington, his percentage of processions used, percentage of shots taken while on the floor, it kind of rivals the usage level of like an Armando Baycott or Caleb Love. Essentially, Jalen Washington is shooting the ball a lot. But DeMarco Dunn doesn't really need the ball in his hands all that much. His percentage of processions used is 11.8, which is lower than any of the starting five. Yet he's really efficient. He scores it a pretty good clip. He shoots it at a high percentage. He gets to the free throw line. So that's another really valuable thing that you get from Dunn. He's a guy who can come off the bench, but he doesn't need the ball. He doesn't need to eat up a bunch of possessions to get his shots and his points. I'd almost like DeMarco to, to shoot more. Um he doesn't play too much, but he's only shot 23s. He's made nine, so it's a really high clip. <clears throat> As John was talking about, I think he's 45% from three. I mean, if he can be that, be a perimeter threat, knock down two or three threes per game, that would that would completely change what this team looks like, especially now when Caleb's a little, a little bit of a slump. Um, it'd be great to see him. I think, I think DeMarco, he's not – I mean, it adds a whole different element when he's knocking down a couple threes per game. We're talking about the lineups. How about this one? You would have to really have watched the the I see YouTube videos from Louisville game to uh, pick up on this one, but about fell out of my seat when Hubert said uh, after the Louisville game that he had toyed with putting Leaky at the five. Um, you know, he he didn't say this, but the way I took it to mean was if they weren't going to have Armando, which he didn't think they were going to have, and they weren't going to have Pete, they weren't going to have those guys. Instead of trying to go big you know, find the big guys to, to guard Sidney Curry and those guys at Louisville, they were just going to go super small. They were going to go four guards and leaky at the five, 200-pound uh, leaky black. So 
um, I was like, you know, Roy he, Williams would never, you know, it's like completely different right. style. Hey, right. yeah, I mean, you got to do it wins. I I don't mind if uh, I'm not sure about Leaky at the five, but I don't mind the the four guard lineup. Um, if you include like like Leaky would have been the point guard for Louisville on Sunday or Saturday. Roy wanted him to play point guard. Yeah, Roy that was that was the know, goal like, at first. Yeah. Yeah. And and when he was in high school, everybody was like, Oh my god, Magic Johnson, six nine <laughs> point guard. And uh we see how those mixtapes work. Um, but very effective either way, and certainly can play the guard role to to your point, Adam, to be that four guard um deal and with him. So we talked about DeMarco, who I think is very important. Is Seth Trimble let me ask y'all this, and y'all talk to him on the regular. Seems like a great kid. Um, he's a dog on defense. Ross, he, he seems pretty shy to shoot it um, when he's out there. Uh, he gets into the lane where he probably could take a shot. What's going on there? He's just trying to get a feel of the game or, or trying not to screw it up, or, or does he know his role, I guess? Yeah, I mean, he doesn't. You talking about three-point shots? Any, yeah, anything. Yeah, yeah. But- I mean, maybe he just kind of understands his role. He's a freshman. He, he's not going to be the main offensive threat when he's on the court. He's only shot five threes. I think he kind of understands that right now he's not a three-point shooter. I think there's some video of him going around, going around of him working on his shot after the Boston College game. Um, but, yeah, you're right. He doesn't um, he doesn't really shoot that much either in the mid-range, a little bit more at the basket. Um, and maybe that's just him understanding his role, that he's not the offensive threat. There's other guys who – would probably make the shot more than he would. Um, and his, I guess his, he hasn't played as much now that you have DeMarco emerging and you have Pete Nance back in, which kind of switches the whole um, use of the bench. But you're right. I mean, he, he, he adds a, a athletic element to this team and uh, he's, he braces defense and he can, he can lock down the other team's perimeter shooters. So um, he is a unique player for this team, but uh, you're right. I don't think he, it's just not there for him. And look, good for him for not forcing it. If, if he doesn't, you know, feel like he's comfortable shooting right now. But that, it, when him and Leaky are on the court, on the perimeter, it's like, ah, who's going to shoot in this lineup? That's what's really scary. Like, if because Leaky can hit it, but he's just not a shooter. And so when you have Seth and Leaky as two of your three um, perimeter players, it's kind of a, a scary proposition for you. And see, they don't really have anybody who can knock down a three. Yeah, I mean, I, I was thinking as you were talking, you put Leaky and – Trimble on Joiner and Terquavian Smith for NC State. That's a good matchup, but those guys are those guys are going to beat the defense. But to your point, who's going to score? And um, if you do that, then RJ and Caleb, if they're out there as well, if they're going super small, they better be hitting because uh, NC State will find ways. Um, you're listening on the beat live. It's about nine twenty-three or so. Carolina is up thirty-nine to thirty-one. With 30 seconds left in the third nice, quarter. Nice, nice. Um, this is a I'm, little behind, I guess. Who's yeah. your favorite player, Adam? Who's your favorite player on the women's team? Um, let's be <laughs> doing the I, dirty work. I, I like them. It's uh, but I tell you what, I think Duke didn't score for the first eight and a half minutes or eight minutes, and Carolina was only Jeez. up 10 or 12. Nothing. It was Brutal start has picked up a little bit in the second half. Deja Kelly on the foul line now. She's about to make it 41-31. So, good results so far over there in Carmichael. Um, what else? You know, Armando Baycott, we don't ever talk about him anymore either because he just continues to be a monster out there. Hey, 
couple questions, and I didn't hear it. If y'all ask it, I didn't hear it asked. Is he healthy, Adam? <laughs> I mean, that was a nasty ankle sprain against Virginia. And none of us thought he would play um, the next game, and he was out there. What's his health status? Armando randomly told me. I was the, uh, Me and a little fellow from the DPH were over there last <laughs> – the other night to Armando and the little guy let me get off like seven questions in a row. I thanked him later. I was like, I'm sorry. I hogged him. Uh, Armando randomly said, he goes, look, I'll be honest. I thought I was going to miss two or three games when he got hurt. Um, I wasn't even asking him about that. <laughs> like he just, I guess he wanted to make sure we knew that he thought he said he, when he got hurt originally at UVA, he was hoping he would be back for NC state. So, um, there's no way he was near 100% at Louisville. But uh, much like he said when he checked back into the Duke game in the Final Four, he said, F it. You know, he wanted to play. He said after the Louisville game, he was thinking, like, I might not ever play here again, and I love playing here because they boo us. Um, so, you know, I was saying to Ross the other night against BC, uh, the the Tuesday night game, I thought he was moving pretty well. Like, I thought he, like, had some pretty good bounce to him. And um, that is one tough sucker, man. I mean – yeah, he, he's think, a tough dude. I think he'll be remembered as one of the tougher guys, just how much he gets hit, all the fouls and all the injuries he's gone through on a, on a you know, at, at the final four, a couple of energies, injuries already this season. Um, and he's got a couple of records coming up. Did you mention that Adam already? Mm-mm. I had not said anything. Yeah, about it, Adam said that he, that Baycott told him that he wanted to get a bunch of rebounds against Boston college so he could break the rebound record against state. <laughs> because they play at Syracuse after that. He's going to break it in the next two games. He's he's uh, 16 to tie, 17 to break it. Uh, he got 16 rebounds against Boston College. So if he gets 17 against State, he'll break it on Saturday in the Smith Center. Otherwise, he's probably going to break it at Syracuse because he gets 10 to 12 at, at, at for State and then another 10 at Syracuse. So that would be, that'd be one thing to definitely track. Um and then he tied uh, Billy Cunningham, uh, the double-double record, at 60. So the next time he gets double-double, he'll break that record. So he's going to have two huge records. I think those are records that show consistency. They show, I think, rebounding is an effort. Uh, it's a one-two stat um, and, and desire stat. So it just shows you the kind of player he is. So that's pretty cool. I mean, he's going to – Adam, you were going through the numbers with me today. What's the – compared to Hansborough? Oh, uh yeah, we're also and I were talking about it today. Ross and I are good friends uh, away from work too. If nobody knew that, so we talk work and we talk, you know, life. Um, but you know, I was doing my. I'm, I'm I'm a very big nerd, and I was doing. You know, I'll just look this stuff up sometimes. But uh, as Ross were, and I were talking, I think it was. I don't know if Ross remembers the number. Hansbro yeah, played 142 college games, and Armando has played 118. And so Armando has done this in less games than, than hands. Is that right, Ross? Do you see? Yep. 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 So he, he could break it in, in 119 games yeah. compared to the record set at 142 games. He, and he's gotten 16, he needs 16 to tie as Ross said, and he's got 16 each of the last two games at less than a hundred percent. It was kind of funny. I was telling Ross uh, where we were sitting at the Louisville game. We were beside some local radio crew that was just hilarious. And they kept saying, Baycott, the big man on the bum ankle scores again. Like, you know, in, in, in your biggest radio voice you can imagine, you know, like sounded like the 1950s or something, but the big man on the bum ankle. Can uh, you keep that energy up the entire show? <laughs> but, uh, 
but yeah, and Ross and I were talking today too. If I, the way I figured it out is he's he's averaging eleven rebounds a game. If he keeps it up at the pace he's on now, and they play a game in the NCAA tournament, which you would, you would hope that they do. Uh, I, I factored in two games in the ACC tournament and one game in the NCAA tournament as sort of a baseline. He would finish fifth all time in the ACC in rebounding, um, behind only what is it, Dicky Hemrick, Ronnie Shavlik, and two guys named Tim Duncan and Ralph Sampson. Um, if he kept it up, if, he, if he's getting eleven boards a game for the rest of this season, um, so what were those first two names again? Dickie Hemrick and Ronnie Shavlik, I think. Uh, I think the Wake Forest. Dickie Wake Hemrick, Forest and State. There you go. Sha- Ronnie Shavlik's who Shavlik Randolph was named after. You remember? Is his grandfather. Yeah. yeah. That's cool. I didn't know Yeah. That. One thing about Baycott, and I'll say this, and then I'll get out of the way for John to take over this show, is Baycott, not physically, but he reminds me of Julius Peppers in this way. When I was covering when Julius Peppers played basketball, it was back when we used to get to sit on the floor, and Julius Peppers rolled his ankle so bad, he scuffed the, the top of his high top. And I was like, I would be dead, because it was back when I used to be able to play a little bit of ball, and I would be in the hospital or, you know, on crutches. And he didn't even flinch. And I asked him about it after the game. I was like, did you roll your ankle? He's like, yeah, I think so. <laughs> Didn't even affect him at all. Baycott's the same way. I mean, Baycott did it. Remember his freshman year? Oh, yeah. After they played Oregon in the Bahamas, he was dominant. They go to, I believe, Ohio State or maybe played Ohio State in the Dean Dome. He was at UNC. He yep. rolls it to the ground, and he didn't, even, he didn't even flinch. Now, it affects his athleticism a little bit, and obviously he was hurt last year in the Final Four. But that dude, is a, he is a beast on the glass, but he's got some ankles made out of rubber. And – it, it is fascinating to watch, and that's why he's going to set these records you guys are talking about because he don't miss games. And, and he and, and in his entire career for Carolina, he can't um, because he's really the only guy. Go ahead, John. Yeah, I, I think that's kind of where I was going to end this segment too. Like, just think about his legacy. This is the legacy that he's leaving in Chapel Hill. I, uh, I was sitting in IP3 the other day, and they had a, a cool graphic. I'll have to tweet it out. But it like showed the dean's list, and it looked like it cut off around 2009, 2010. So you kind of all the the regular suspects that you would think are on that kind of poster are on there. But I think he's kind of like earning his spot on that list. Whether or not that means his his jerseys in the rafters, I'm not sure exactly the criteria there. But I feel like just the way that he's played and the way he's carried himself, I think he's earned his spot on that list. Tommy, do we want to get an ad break in? Yeah, Ross, do a Johnny T-shirt. Reed, man, you haven't well, done it in a while. Let me uh, let me say one thing about Baycott. Yeah, so I think I mean, he is chasing the the jersey to get honored, and I think his best chance will be ACC Player of the Year, mm-hmm. which I would I think he's right there right now. Um, I mean, T Baby, Tequavion Smith is up there. Who else, Adam? You watch more ACC ball than I do. The Clemson other- kid, Tyson from Clemson. Yeah, PJ Hall maybe from Clemson. Uh, yeah. Hunter Tyson from Clemson. Isaiah Wong at Miami. I mean. Yeah. So the key will be UNC keeps winning, but he's got a he's got a every game like the Virginia game really hurts him because he played in it. Yeah. So his per game numbers dip because he played one minute or whatever and didn't get any stats, and so it really affects the numbers that the common, you know, the common voter sees. Um, so he's got a. I mean, you think you'd be pushing, you know, the double doubles to start rolling out here, um, and it's interesting to see how he chases after rebounds against State to try to break that record against State. 
So those are two things to keep in mind. He could also get second team All-American all uh, in a couple of different publications. And first team All-American um, would also get his jersey honored. Okay. Uh, Johnny T-shirt and johnnytshirt.com. They're our sponsor. As we look at the score here, 42-31. The UNC women are up 42-31. Uh, Johnny T-shirt is our sponsor. Sponsors podcast, all of Inside Carolina's podcast. We appreciate their support. If you're getting sweatshirts, jackets, jerseys, t-shirts, hats, make sure you head to Johnny T-shirt and JohnnyT-shirt.com to get your stuff right on Franklin Street, a local independently owned company. And if you are an inside Carolina subscriber, you get the 10% off discount code. So head to the message boards, get the code, and then get 10% off your order. It's all on Franklin Street. They have great customer service. It's local. It's independent, just like inside Carolina. So it's a win-win. It's a um, so check it out. Johnny T-shirt and online at johnnytshirt.com. A couple national ads. We'll be back with more uh, UNC talk here on The Beat Live. Grab your VIP pass. We're delving into the secretive world of Formula One. Behind the scenes with two of the sport's biggest names, Mercedes and Williams. This is not coal mining, this is Formula One motor racing. As they build their new cars. We want to be so much further ahead. We are in permanent racing mode. And face shocking headlines. Here's Lewis Hamilton moving away from Mercedes. I'm Joseph Fiennes and this is F1, back at base. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. It's the NFL offseason, but on Pick 6, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, the football season never stops. Host Will Brinson, John Breach, and Tyler Sullivan are joined by analysts like Brady Quinn, Leslie Ducible, Katie Mox, and R.J. White to keep you in the loop on everything happening around the league. Whether it's free agents signing with new teams, the all-important NFL draft, or schedule release day, Pick 6 has you covered. As the face of the league changes with every team move and player pickup this spring, Pick 6 is a must Listen, download, and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and anywhere podcasts are found. Welcome back. It's on the beat live. Carolina, I believe it's, uh, Duke's got 33 now. Uh, we're talking about Baycott, and there's a lot of questions in the chat. Um, so let's fire one up, John. But the main question is, how do you get him more shots? Um, I think he had 11 shots against Boston College. Under no circumstances, and this is my opinion, and Adam, I want yours, and then you can and then roll to Ross and to John. Under no circumstances should he not lead this team in shots every night. I don't think. For for A, for the reason, because he's good. For also, Carolina's offense, when Baycott's on the floor, is just so much better and when he's involved. Um, and it opens up everything else. Adam, fact or fiction, Baycott should lead the team in shots each night. It's fact, but it's still fiction because, uh, <laughs> I mean, I we all we all agree with you, but it's not going to happen because, um, for several reasons, um, you know, they have some other guys that get some shots up, but also, you know, we all watch the games. Also, shout out George Jenkins in the chat. Appreciate you. Um, you know, everyone doubles Armando for a good reason. So, you know. Way teams play Armando is they're going to get the they're going to try to get the ball out of his hands and he has to sort of oblige them by dribbling out, passing out of the double teams. I mean, he's just not going to be able to to score over the double team. He the, the, he is he has figured out um, that running the court, which he's been doing well, and crashing the glass and just staying active. Uh, here we go. There we go from the orange shovel. You know. Um, 
or how he's going to do it. If a team – now, there were a few times BC decided that we're going to let Quentin Post, the big seven-footer, guard Armando one-on-one. If he has time – and you saw what he did. He, he didn't go over Post or through him. Ross and I were talking about, you know, he's driving around him. You know, he's driving around him for the left-handed layups and the reverse layups and stuff. But, you know, 75% of the time he's facing double teams, and that's why he's passing out, and that's why he, we're talking about Caleb Love shooting because the shots are there. So, um, obviously, would if you got him 20 shots a game, you got to like that. But it's, I just don't think it's going to happen. Uh, might happen in the NCAA tournament when you start playing these teams that don't, you know, scheme up how to stop Armando for four days. But um, I just don't think that's going to happen. I mean, Puff Johnson was the only true entry pass I saw against uh, Boston College. And it was... I mean, they run their offense through him. They do. They, you know, they get it to him. They go, they run the offense through him. But now that offense, I don't want to say predicated, but is somewhat dictated on knowing he's going to get doubled and him making the right decision to get it out of the double team and keep it moving. Um, so, I mean, everything that he does is about hard work, in my in my opinion. I agree with that. Uh, I mean, you see him on the defensive glass especially. He's not watching the ball. He's going to get where the ball is going to be. And, and you know, there was a fight on the message boards about Jeremy Shochan, Sohan, about from Baylor that's now in the pros doing the same stuff he did. And how you get rebounds, and they talked about Rodman. When the ball goes up, Rodman's not watching the ball. He's trying to find where the ball's going. And that's what Baycott does. That's what R.J. Davis does, quite frankly. But, uh, but Ross, just sort of to close out the Baycott discussion here before we move on to, to more questions. I mean, Hubert wants it to go through him, but is he happy with 11 shots when, <laughs> when his guards get 18 to 16 to 18 each? Yeah, I mean, I think he, he, he's got to be shooting as much as – you want him to shoot as much as possible, I think. Yeah, I mean, Adam, Adam said it. You want the ball running through him. You want him to get multiple touches, post, reset, kick it out, reset the post. I mean, when he gets it down low, when he has a foot in the paint, I mean, it's it's over uh, usually, especially if he's single-teamed or what's that called? One, single coverage? Single coverage. One-on-one. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. one. 12 shots would be a great number, I think, around that number. You do you see some crazy numbers with Caleb. I mean, I was going through them when I was writing the article with Caleb. I mean, 16 shots, 18 shots. I mean, Caleb shoots an incredibly high number of shots per game. So it's it's kind of weird to compare it to to him. But um I think you I mean you all this is the Roy Williams way. You always want the, the ball to go into your big man and for the offense to run through him. And you want him to shoot more. If he's not, if he's in single digit, you know, shots, I think you're doing something wrong. And I think I think Hubert Hubert said this. I think it was after the Michigan win. Like we started getting the ball early and often, multiple times. He's the first, second, third option on this offense. So Hubert gets it. So it's 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 the way it's going to be. And one more point there. You you three didn't mention free throws, which I think is a big part of Armando's game. Armando leads the ACC. He's number one in the ACC in fouls drawn per forty minutes. So feeding him the ball allows him to get to the foul line as well. He hasn't been an amazing free throw shooter this year. He hasn't you know, hit all of his free throws, but I think that's a big part of his game as well, drawing fouls, getting to the line, wearing out the other team's defense. I want to bring in this question too. Um, this is a good question here. What's the best way to use Pete Nance now that he's back? It seems like the offense is not as efficient with him on the court. He hit those two early threes yeah. earlier this week in the game. Adam, if you're the coach of the Tar Heels, how are you using Pete Nance? 
It's a tough question for me because I've thought about this a lot and I don't know. Um, I, I, I think I like Pete Nance's game. I think Pete Nance is a good player. I think Pete Nance is a useful guy to have out there. And then I think, you know, when Puff is out there, UNC is more athletic and, you know, I know Jalen Washington is kind of a finesse big and he's kind of plotting in a way, you know, he's not Giannis by any stretch of the imagination, but you know, I like Jalen Washington's games too. I, I feel like I mentally sort of uh, am down on Pete Nance. I'm down on Seth Trimble too. <laughs> really? We were talking about him earlier. Seth Trimble cannot shoot. He's a terrible shooter. Um, <laughs> somebody said it in the somebody said it in the chat. It's exactly he's the wind up on Seth Trimble. I mean, good God, what is he doing with that thing? But anyway, between Lebo and Hubert Davis on that staff, I would think that that uh, that shooting form will be adjusted and he's a great athlete you would think he could figure it out athletically uh although tokido never did but anyway um pete i i don't i do not know what you do with pete nance i thought we thought earlier in the year you know one of the many good things about having pete nance in addition to his experience and his in basketball intelligence and all that is that he'll be able to play the five when armando goes out armando will get get a blow now and it won't be like when brady manic was trying to play the five last year Man, y'all have seen it. When he's at the five, these teams go after him. I mean, they go right at Pete Nance, uh, you know, offensively, because they don't think that he can guard the other team's five. He couldn't guard Quentin Post the other night. Um, and I think Pete Nance is a great dude. Like, I enjoy talking to him. But he's, I don't know. It's a work in progress there with him, man. Yeah, he can't guard the big dudes, and he's not athletic enough to, to guard up. A stretch four. He, he is just yeah. he is slow. He's got lead feet. And look, I remember he, he spoke to us on Tuesday. And when he got up, man, he walked out like an old man. He was holding his back. He's hobbling <laughs> out. And you know, you shouldn't have those kind of you shouldn't walk that way until you're in your 30s. Um, where just he just looked like an old man hobbling out here, and he's 22, 23. That's how but, you're uh, walking, Ross. Is that how yeah? You know? When you when you turn thirty, you, you start getting sore in places you don't remember sore uh, getting sore in. Remember twenty eight, the bowels changed too. Um, things changed there for me. Um, but uh, Pete might Nance been, might have been yeah. a use cleanse. <laughs> <laughs> one yeah, more think, one more note about Pete Nance too. Kind of like one more note about the juice cleanse. <laughs> <laughs> one thing you you don't really want to mention this, but you kind of have to think about it. I mean, Pete Nance. 100% is leaving Chapel Hill once the season's over in April or May or whenever it ends, March. You know that Jalen Washington will probably be around next season. You know Puff will be around next season. Someone like Brady Manick came in last year for one year, but he had an elite skill. Obviously, we've talked about this a million times. He was an elite shooter. It 100% made sense to play him as part of that Iron 5 unit. But if you take a guy like Pete Nance and you're halfway through the ACC slate, and he's not bringing an elite skill, and he's kind of banged up a little bit to begin with, at what point does Hubert Davis kind of take stock of his roster and say, hey, I'd rather go with Puff Johnson at 90% of the play because I know I'm going to be developing Puff for the future versus Pete. You know, and again, like you said, Adam, by all counts, a great locker room guy. I think he would understand something like that. But that's a, probably a trade-off that Hubert – Certainly would never articulate something like that, but maybe he would think about it. That ain't yeah. happening. 
That I was going to say, Hubert Davis is going to play. Who who gives him the best chance to win right now? That is a well-reasoned and thoughtful uh, and logical uh, take, John. But, I mean, Hubert ain't going to do that to a, a guy that he brought in, like, for one year. You know, when, when UNC got him, he's the missing piece to we the championship to. puzzle. I mean. When you advertise a show with, with John – John Bowman says that Huber should bench Pete Nance. Hot take. <laughs> yeah, I'll clip that and put it on the YouTube. Yeah, that's good. That's a good little rant there. No, I, kind of, I was thinking that I kind of agree. I mean, yeah, but I mean, Pete Nance brings some stuff. He's tall, like Adam said. He can he can sub in for Baycott. He can do the rebounding. Um, he just he's gonna have to. He needs to score more if he's gonna kind of carry his weight, because otherwise he's a liability on defense. So he's got you know hit the two threes. That was great. Got to, you know, he's got to chip in on offense if they're going to have the the liability of having him out there on defense. I do think he he provides a little leadership. You always see him talking to Caleb and RJ dude. like he's like a father figure out there like come on guys like come on guys let's huddle up, you know. He's, he's uh, a great dude. So, he made a three, Carolina's best win on their resume right 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 now. I can't say it is Ohio State. Yeah. They don't win the Ohio State game without Pete Nance. Yeah. Um, yeah, we're banging on him, but he, yeah, he, he's had some moments. I agree. I, I will um, say this, and this is when you get older, if anybody says this about you, um, it says more about the person saying it. But I agree with John Kramer on, on the, he's just a little too nice on the court sometimes. You he, love dogs, don't you, Tommy? I love, I love, I, I follow I, your Twitter. I love, I can't say it on here because I don't want to put bad language out there, but I love, um dogs we'll just call it that is that and, rick ross or was that really the dude's profile pic oh my god you know it you know it might not be his real name either rick uh, ross that's Paul. awesome we love it thank you john for joining the show tonight we love it but yeah it i mean look like rick ross you okay. know elbow somebody in the face once or twice or you know brady manic handled business he got kicked out of a game doing it but you know have a little anger issue in there and, and uh go from there and, and but I think Nance's value is uh, important to this team, and I agree with Adam. Hubert ain't going to do that. Nope. He's not, he's not going to send that guy to the bench um, because there's there's good in him, as what's-her-name said in Star Wars. Uh, anyway. Look at this, it, though. I mean, Pete Nance couldn't even bend down to pick up basketballs a couple of days ago. Uh, coach, I'm ready to get back in there. Okay, you're starting. Like, you know, I mean, it's just yeah. what's gonna, it's what's gonna be. And even, gonna, even the threes, didn't it kind of look like he was a little stiff on those shots? It kind of looked mean, like it, we it have didn't watched look him. We have watched him like we watch football warm ups for people that are hurt. I mean, I'm telling you, I have seen him a couple of nights not been down to pick up a basketball near his feet. Dontrez has been picking up balls for him and giving them to him. I mean, he won't bend down. Oh, I ain't gonna, I'm not going to bang on somebody with back spasms because I had them. Oh, I'm just saying, like, you know, I don't know. I mean, you saw the heated back brace he was wearing the other night. That thing was pretty uh, high-fangled, or is it high-fangled? Highfalutin? That thing yeah, was pretty fancy, wasn't it, with the light bulbs and everything? High society? He was wearing that during the game or after the game? On the bench. When they were on the bench, he would, he would Velcro that thing on. I got to pick up one of those. Any more questions in the chat? Uh, the women are, somebody said in the chat, they're trying to blow it. Uh, they were up 10. Now they're up five. It's a close game. It's right. With 347 right. left. Yeah, it has got the back sloppy. Um, shooting percentages. I would not have bet the over on Looks this like one. a rock fight. Yeah, I mean, I think we've covered everything basketball-wise. Jalen Washington gets hurt in warm-ups. Um, <laughs> no, shoot around. 
shoot around like even, even even worse maybe. <laughs> Unbelievable. Did, did he step on a manager's foot or another player's foot? Because uh, that manager would be like, you're done. Anything left, John? We might get out of here a little early. I've got I've got one stat ahead of the UNC NC State game. Uh, I I think the key thing to watch, in my expert opinion, free throw attempts. UNC is number one in the conference on free throw attempts over field goal percentage versus the NC State defense, which is last in the conference in allowing free throws. So that's kind of the the pivot point for me. That's what I'll be watching on Saturday is can UNC get to the free throw line? I'm expecting they will be able to because NC State gives up a lot of free throws. I also have a hypothetical. I have a hypothetical question for everyone. We've got some time here. I can throw it out there. All right, I have a scenario. Let's say aliens invaded the Earth, and they have to play a UN, They have to play a basketball game. You have to pick five basketball players. The only rule is they have to have played for UNC, and in their, they're in their current for, form. So if like you pick Raymond Felton, you get Raymond Felton right now. Like big Raymond Felton. Yeah. So that's the kind of the the trade-off. Do you go with Walker Kessler at center? Do you go with Armando Baycott at center? Can we pick a starting five for this hypothetical basketball game? Oh my gosh! You should have sent this out early, so we. Yeah, I mean, I have no notes on this. I mean, Michael Jordan's on the team, regardless of what he As is. You want fifty-five-year-old Michael Jordan? Yep, hundred percent. Hmm. I'll guarantee you, he'd still whip some of these young guys. All right, uh, pick somebody, Adam. You're on spot, Ross. You too. Kobe White. Harrison mm-hmm. Barnes. Theo Pinson. Mm-hmm. You yeah. can have uh, Cole Anthony. Yeah, you could have Cole Anthony. You need who's a the big. Best? Who's, who's the best big? Tony right Bradley. Now. Harrison Barnes, I would say, right? You could Cam put Johnson. Cam yeah, Johnson's good. I think Cam Johnson and Harrison Barnes at the three and four. Someone said Psycho T. That's interesting. How how in how good a shape is is Tyler Hansborough? Right? Psycho T is thirty seven. I think he just had knee surgery. Oh, he is thirty seven. What? Hansborough's thirty seven. Yes. Yeah. Jesus. I'd throw Dayron Sharp in there, maybe. That's a good one, Ross. Yeah, that's a good. That, that would current, probably be my pick over Baycott. Here are the current the player. Here are the current players. Ready in the NBA: Cole Anthony, Harrison Barnes, Tony Bradley, Reggie Bullock, Danny Green, who's injured, Justin Jackson, Cameron Johnson came back from injury tonight, Walker Kessler, Nasir Little, Theo Pinson, Daron Sharp, Kobe White. Mm, I'm always a pretty good starting little fan. Not Sean May. Sean May is not on this team. Sorry, Jake. Why? Why not? John? Somebody in the. Uh, why not, John? Sean I, May might not be able to run. Might not. I'm not saying anything. The dude was a monster when he was at Carolina. That's the rules not, of the thing here. I would go Cole and Kobe, mm-hmm. and then Harrison Barnes, Cam Johnson, and maybe and Cam Johnson, Cam. and then Daron Sharp. Yeah, Sharp. yeah I like that. Good in the chat. I mean, he played what twenty-two years in the NBA. Yeah, folks got to listen to the rules. They have to be in their current. No, state. I'm saying. No, I'm I, talking about the chat. I agree with you. Okay, but I'm saying like he could probably make the if it's a twelve-man roster, he could probably make it at forty, whatever he is. I'm having it's, Jordan. Yeah. I'm having Jordan on the team just for the dogness. <laughs> um, and, and I like Ross's. To be honest, I like Ross's starting lineup. Tony Bradley's still pretty good. Dude, I do not want Tony Bradley. I take myself over Tony Bradley. <laughs> <laughs> Who was your lineup, Ross? I said Cole, Kobe, Harrison Barnes, Cam Johnson, and Daron Sharp. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty nice. That's pretty. I nice. got, I got a, I got a hot take, wild card. What if 
you pull together the Iron Five. You bring Brady back from Australia. You yeah, put Brady him out there the for one game. I, I'm saying I want the the Iron Five just as it is right now. Thoughts? You would take them versus the Monstars. Well, yeah, I know you. You probably would want Cam Johnson on there and Harrison Barnes, but the other interesting debate here is big man because Walker Kessler is in the mix. I think Armando honestly is in the mix too. If it's one game, you know, Walker Kessler's tearing it up in league, or at least at, at times he does, um, which is interesting because <clears throat> I don't know. It's a good discussion. Hey. Send in your assignments, folks, on the message board thread when we post this story. Send your assignments in there. And I'd be interested to hear Sherelle McMillan's take on this as well. Anything left, Rasheed Wallace can still ball. Rasheed Wallace would 100% be on my all-time Carolina team uh, because that's one of those guys that would dunk on you and tell you about it and yell at your mama after he dunked on you. I love that guy. There was some game they played against NC State back in the day. I swear he dunked on Todd Fuller like 12 times in Reynolds. <laughs> and Todd Fuller was like a lottery pick. You know, the guy with the, the, um, the crew cut? No, I, remember him, I swear he dunked every shot he made. And, you know, <laughs> you know, screamed too. Like, just – it was wild. <laughs> just that a was- tease uh, – a tease for Inside Carolina Live on Saturday. And I'm sorry, I'm pumping my own shows, but – George Lynch will be in studio with us. Um, oh, so Dwayne Eason, um, tune in Inside Carolina Live on the YouTube channel, the same way you're watching this, 10 to 12. Good job with that, Tommy. You did a great I know job you like that segue. It. I should roll by on my segue and say, and Saturday <laughs> on Inside Carolina Live. But, yeah, George Lynch is joining us in studio for that with Joey Powell. We've got some other guests. Um, interesting, interesting discussion, boys. Um, you got me thinking, though. I need to go on uh, – the old video game and create all the Carolina players and see if we could see if we can stand. Now, what up. did aliens have to do with it, John? Do you have some well, sort of alien fetish? Let me let me tell you how I got to that real quick, and then we can end for the night. Ross, you tweeted out the "We Are the World" video last night, and then I started thinking, <laughs> who would be in the "We Are the World" video if you did it right now? So I was thinking, like, okay, what singers would you get? We're still alive. And then this that's is what, great but discussion. That's what led me to this. Nice, nice, nice. I would love to have these type of discussions, but folks get mad when we don't talk about. I got an email, and shout out if you're listening to this show. Um, I got an email that said, we need to get right into it. We take too long to get into the show when we start. What? And he's <laughs> like, it's got to be five seconds or less, or, or you lose your audience. And I'm thinking when we started this show five seconds in, there was three people in here and now there's 160 some. So I think we got it figured out a little bit. Guys, it's been fantastic. Carolina women up six, up five. Let's get out of here so we can watch the end of North Carolina and Duke. Uh, On the beat live has been that with Johnny t-shirt and Johnny t-shirt.com. John Bowman, Ross Martin, Adam Smith will be back next week, same time, same place. Thanks, guys. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. Gather your besties. We are very exclusive. And get ready. Mom, go make snacks. For sure, Regina. For the movie that hits like a bus. In a good way. No one dies. Mean Girls. Made at PG-13. Now streaming on Paramount Plus.